Welcome back to Dev Dive episode 20. As always, I'm your host, Nighthawk. I'm here joined by my co-host, Riot Legend Larry. And our guest today is Shannon McSheehan, a.k.a. Riot Phoenix. Thanks very much for coming on the show, Shannon. Um, I'm so happy we got a chance to sit down with you. Uh, can you tell us what your role at Riot is? Yeah, I am a VFX lead, and I'm currently on the R&D incubation team. Fancy. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. So one of the reasons that I wanted to get you on the show is is I feel like VFX is one of the more um, underappreciated but over um, exposed portions of game development. Like it is literally what you see in the game, but nobody ever talks about it. So I thought, hey, we should have somebody on who actually works in this field to tell us why it's so important to video games. Just so I can stop saying like, hey, it's important to video games with no uh, basis. <laughs> it's important oh that was what i was gonna say so (laughs) so i guess we should start with um an overview of what vfx actually is and what it looks like in a game like league of legends yes so vfx stands for visual effects uh in the context of league of legends so if you typically uh push qwer and an ability happens the visuals for the ability are what we call visual effects now you can have other more like aesthetic aspects so um ari on some of her skins has like different uh like sparkles or on her foxfire skin has flames all of that all of that is visual effects so what is uh what is the difference between a vfx artist and a vfx lead a lead is responsible for more the holistic team so in uh, like my previous team was gameplay um i was a vfx lead for uh VFX on gameplay, which is new champions, uh, champion updates, as well as the preseason content. So I'd be responsible for the visual effects artists on that team, as well as the quality of their work and the output of that, as well as um, managing them in terms of their performance, as well as being an individual contributor myself, like also creating visual effects. So making sure the team is healthy and continuing to keep up with all the awesome content that that team is uh, generating a lot of, a lot of hats to wear a lot of shoes to fill it's, it's a lot it's a lot and there's not <laughs> that many individuals in visual effects like as a discipline uh so a lot of tasks do fall to us so it's a very demanding discipline for sure definitely so this is something that that um the common league player might be able to um, associate with and sort of identify with uh, why do you think VFX is important to like how a champion feels and their identity? Because a lot of the times people are like, oh, this kit feels awesome. I like playing Pike because he just fits together so well. His abilities feel awesome. Um, so where does VFX slot into that feeling? Yes. Um, so definitely many, many disciplines go into making like the holistic vision of a champion. So I'm just going to talk about the um, in-game version because you'll have a champion and it could be in cinematics, etc. So my f- focus will be like League of Legends, the MOBA. Uh, in terms of that, visual effects, um, again, like I was saying previously, is responsible for the individuals for a champion's abilities. So whereas the designer will say, hey, we're designing a new champion. 
we'll take Zoe, for instance, because that was one of the champions that I worked on while I was on that team. Um, a designer will have a like a mechanic in mind. So for her cue, it could be the um, line missile that's redirectable that does more damage over the length of its lifetime. Um, and then the team will have to brainstorm and come up with ideas about what that could be, what that could look like. So we'll get the like foundations from a designer, but the visual effects artist at the end of the day is responsible for creating the holistic visuals of that. So all of the stars and sparkles and for her base, it's like a paddle that redirects it. So all of the visual aspect is what a visual effects artist would do. And for preparation for this show, um, you sent me some awesome resources to sort of gather and use for questions. And one of them was a fantastic article that actually showed what a champion looks like without the VFX, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> um, I forget exactly who it was. It was either Malzahar or or Brand or something. Zareth. Oh, Zareth. Yeah. Because he's he's mostly effects. I mean, he's mostly like ambient lightning blue energy and there's like a couple <laughs> of pieces of his coffin that make up him as a character so definitely him as his identity incorporates visual effects incredibly heavily if you remove all that he's just a couple pieces of like gray <laughs> chunks <laughs> this blue just blue arcane energy yeah it's 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 ridiculous um i'll probably link it down in the description if anyone does want to see what it looks like but it really just emphasizes how important VFX are to champion identity because like like uh, uh, Shannon just said, it's very distinct what a champion looks like without their VFX versus with it. Um, yeah, it's really a personification of, of their power too. So even if you think of Garen who doesn't have like sparkles or explosions or things like that you would typically associate with magic he could he should right he could um (laughs) but like the sword is the personification of his power but that still doesn't mean that it that it translates into a satisfying feel or his um like holistic champion identity when he swings that sword you really want it to feel impactful and when he spins around you want it to emphasize like he's spinning really 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 fast you can get really far with a lot of animations and sound, et cetera, but visual effects definitely help uh, the satisfaction of what it feels like to spin really, really fast or hit something really hard with that uh, sword. Yeah. Later on the show, um, I did actually have some questions about how the effects and other departments like sound effects work together, but we'll, we'll hold on that because I wanted to take a step back and talk about how you actually got started in VFX and game dev. So I guess the first place to start would be, I know I have college written down in my doc, but I think actually, is there anything pre-college that, that made you say, hey, I want to get into this this uh, sort of area? Um, honestly, college was definitely the, the number one. I went to Ringling College of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida, specifically for game design, um, game art and design, encompassed both. Um, <laughs> But not anything prior to. I had always really loved games, but not. Um, I didn't pursue anything previously to college in the, it, with the intention anticipation of like going into the industry. So college is where it kind of started to become like, hey, this is a career for me, maybe. So what was your first job in the industry? 
My first job uh, in the industry was a internship between my junior and senior year of college at a small indie studio in Seattle called Hairbrain Schemes, working on Shatterrun Returns. Uh, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it's like, on Steam. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, but that was uh, my first experience into like what game development at a studio looked like and what was my role, what did I, you know, want to specialize in, etc. So it was a lot of fun. So did you go um, directly from Hairbrain? Hairbrain? Was it Hairbrain? Hairbrain Schemes. Hairbrain yeah. Schemes. Did you go directly from there to Riot? Uh, well, I had a year left of college, so I did my uh, like senior thesis at the time, and right after graduating college, yes, I got an internship uh, for visual effects at Riot. That's awesome. I think I don't know if we've had uh, anyone else on the show who's actually uh, leveraged an internship program to to go through and get an industry job. Um, at least not that I remember. I'm sure there has been, but it's always something that that I think doesn't get enough appreciation because internships as they are are sort of vilified right now at least in the public eye where they're like oh it's it's something that doesn't ever work and you're just working for free or a reduced rate but i'm actually really glad to hear that there there are success stories out there where the internship works out and it, it actually ends up being um going, turning into a career so Heck yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh what does your time at riot look like um from the internship to today um, I've been at Riot for a little over seven years, and I've held several different roles, definitely going from intern all the way through my career to effects lead. Um, now over on R&D as well, still an effects lead manager. So <laughs> it's been quite the wild ride uh, in a very short amount of time. And definitely, um, I wouldn't have traversed uh, my career path as quickly as I have without the support of, of my colleagues and peers and feedback from players for sure. It's been a really uh, hectic, like constant feedback, which is good, but like leads to really fast growth. Um, but definitely I wouldn't be where I am today without all of that, like constant, constant growth and feedback. So it's been a wild ride. <laughs> Do you, does your department or you in general take a lot of direct feedback from players and from, from other sources? Yeah, gosh, all the time. I mean, um, we build it into our different pipelines and schedules. So for a more tenured team like Champions, there do we do have uh, player labs where we invite players to come and give early feedback on ideations like Champions in their early stages. There's also direct player feedback from if in the client. If you've ever finished a game, sometimes there's a little pop-up of like random question. <laughs> so we get those as well. And then there's the PBE, the um, public beta environment, where um, players can play the early unreleased content and give us feedback there. And since I am an English speaker, there are other avenues for um, providing direct feedback. People have taken the opportunity to message me directly on reddit or twitter or whatever to um to make sure that their voices are heard too so there's many many avenues outside of that as well to like get other global regions but yes lots of player feedback that's awesome to hear oh sorry go ahead yeah just well say just a quick question what is what was your favorite piece of feedback that you've received (laughs) and if there are multiple if there are multiple ones like what were what are your favorite kinds of feedback 
favorite uh actionable feedback is always like number one it can be great to be like this thing is cool or i don't like this thing but that doesn't translate into uh either continuing to pursue those awesome ideas the things that you really like or make the things that you don't like better uh without first understanding the nuances of what that is what that looks like what that what is your perspective on how it could be better so like that constructive aspect is super super important and generally uh translates into like more action being taken than just like generally i don't like this so that's not feedback that's a very, very <laughs> polite a way to put it <laughs> that's an opinion right <laughs> yeah yeah but that's why it is so valuable. So when someone is like, hey, I don't like this thing because I am colorblind and I cannot see it, immediately it's mm. like, oh my gosh, okay, I, I have the context now. I can pursue a solution. So. Oh, yeah. There, there's a lot of great stories um, over the years. And I don't think it happens much anymore because Riot has taken so many steps to prevent it from happening. But people were saying like, hey, I can't see this skill shot on this skin because i'm i'm so and so colorblind and riot will literally respond like within the day or within the week saying like hey we fixed this we're sorry and then like they have processes in place in the future to hopefully keep that from happening again uh, i remember all the time on reddit there used to be stuff like that but not so much yeah not so much these days <laughs> that's, that's good <laughs> that's good that's a that's a that's, thumbs up that means that it's dream. not happening anymore hopefully um Oh man, that reminds me of a story that that uh, Rangers told on the podcast a, a while back. But not no tangents yet. We're keeping off the tangents today, Larry. <laughs> oh, don't worry, it'll happen. We'll give it time. We can we can bookmark it and then come back. Yeah, yeah, we'll put a pin in it. So, <laughs> um, I've been asking a lot of people who come on the show this question, and sometimes the the answers are like it comes to them really fast, and if sometimes they don't. If nothing comes out to you, don't don't be don't be stressed. You don't have to answer it, but. Have there any been any definitive moments in your career um, at Riot or at, at Hairbrain Schemes uh, that uh, makes you think, like, this is why I do the job. I love doing this. This is great. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's really... Uh... It's really easy in my case because I have been with the company for many, many years, Riot in this case, and there have been opportunities for me along that journey to experience, like, a bazillion things so there are quite a few times yeah that have really been from one aspect or another like oh my god this is this is why i do it this is so fun um one of those times was worlds it was 2014 worlds in korea and i had never been to korea before i had traveled a bit uh but just like you know, not not like crazy international awesome trip to Korea. So this was like such an amazing experience for me. And we experienced world and we worlds and we got to the stadium and the countdown for uh, like the event to start was just like so overwhelming that uh, that so many players would come to this one juncture all together, all for the same reason. Didn't matter what language you spoke, uh, you know, didn't matter where you were from. And it was just so cool to be a part of that audience, to really be among the players uh, with players who loved the thing. The same thing that I loved was just like, oh, this is so cool. I'm like so emotional. Like I had a part in, in this was just so cool. Yeah. 
it it's really is awesome to see because I think a lot of times it's very easy to get isolated as a fan of video games and as a fan of a specific video game. Um, and you're like, hey, there's nobody in my area, neighborhood, school, whatever that is plays this game. It really must not be as big as it is to other people as it is for me. And then you attend an event. Uh, it doesn't even have to be a, a large event like Worlds. It can be um, just a, a tournament in your area. And you're like, holy crap. Look at all these other people who love League of Legends, who love gaming, who love uh, competing and stuff. And it, it is awesome to be able to see those. It's so easy to get caught in a little bubble and just like not see the world around you just because you don't see them on a day-to-day basis. Um, yeah, especially now with COVID, a lot oh, of yeah. the um, like PAX events and um, Anime Expo, where there typically are some kind of meetup events, have all been canceled. So it's definitely yeah. hard these days. Okay, one tangent, one tangent. <laughs> I'm allowing myself. Tangent, we're ready. Um, yeah, I was I was just talking about this the other day. Um, I didn't know when we were going to start, like, are we going to go back to the normal? Do you think there's going to be a situation where we can finally go back and go attend packs, go to worlds in person? Um, it seems like it's going to be a while, if anything. Oh, that was just, that was an open-ended question. You can answer it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I am nine months pregnant and so I'm going to be on maternity leave anyways. So <laughs> it sucks kind of all the more to be like, all right, stuck at home with, with kiddo, can't really go out and do anything. But yeah, all the more so of not being able to have those events to look forward to, even as far out as Christmas, my family and I are trying to like trying to tentatively plan something because mm. they want to see their grandkid and, you know, they're like, I don't what are, can we fly? Well, they live in Canada, and so it's like, oh, the no. border's closed. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, hopefully people are responsible and we can move forward. But we'll yeah. see. Yeah, it's 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 scary. Uh, yeah. One, congratulations again, Shana. That's always, oh, thank you. It's always so, like, that's that's fun. Like, I, I have no stake in, in that, but it's just, I'm so excited <laughs> for you. Um. And two, I think that I, I agree. I think it's going to be difficult. I think it's going to be long term. I'm very interested to see how all of this will affect the next two, three years worth of events. Yeah. You know, like there's um, I was trying to think of uh, examples. Like I, I remember like growing up, uh, uh, my parents would uh, my parents and grandparents would walk me to the gate of the flight. They would walk all the way through through security and like i would walk off the when i came back i would walk off the plane and there would be my dad waiting for me at the gate and then you know 9-11 happened and that just went right out the door and, and there's this kind of um like social scarring i guess you know like that happened with it i'm, I'm very interested to see how that will affect the these large these large um congregations yeah uh and events like that yeah. that's that's sort of what I was thinking too. It's like this event might not last that long, but what what's the effect going to be on the general public in the future? Like, are people you know how it's always like a thing where it's like, oh, I went to PAX, I got sick. That's it's the PAX box or the whatever <laughs> flu. That's that's like that was just normal yeah. for a while. Do you think people are going to be okay with that now? They're like, oh man, if I go to PAX and I get sick, what what if it's the next super bug or something? It's scary. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's super tough to say. And like, I do have optimistic uh, hopes <laughs> in the <laughs> future that it'll it'll open up more possibilities for, um, like, in the workforce. Working from home mm-hmm. is now, you know, it used to be, or at least um, less ideal. You know, having that face-to-face interaction, but now that everyone's working from home, I'm noticing a big perception change. And so hopefully that'll open up again, more options for attending really large events. Like there is the Game Developers Conference, which is a huge event in San Francisco. Um, Always get the plague, some kind of sickness there. (laughs) Forever, for sure. Um, But so I'm really hopeful for more opportunities to do online things that we can be better connected and like in that aspect, share our knowledge or in like the player aspect, experience worlds together more, you know, Mm -hmm. it does open up a lot of different options. So hopefully we'll learn from it. I think we were talking about it before. Like, uh, I, I mean, Shannon, I was out just in case anyone, I was the outsource manager for league for a little while. Um, and so a lot of the people I interacted with and worked with were offsite. They were remote, uh, across the world, across the country, wherever. And, you know, me being in that position, I was like, no, productivity doesn't take a hit. Not really if you're not right there together, um, if you if you set it up properly. Uh, it's just a different, like, it's a different set of communication muscles and um, process muscles that, you know, people just don't ever really exercise because they don't have to. But, you know, in the world today, now that everyone has gone through this, I, I think it's going to be easier in the future to make the case, like Shannon said, work from home, right? Like, or hire somebody who, like, relocation is not necessarily required. And you could open um, open a lot of really great possibilities. There are some fantastic artists around the world that you'd be able to access now because you're willing to just be like, okay, well, you don't have to relocate. So. Yeah. Yeah, we we've, we talked a lot about this, I think. um on that one episode we had when we didn't have a guest on, we talked just about COVID situation because that was just when it started coming out. So we're just like, what if, um, I think the, the (laughs) summary of that episode was basically like, uh, we think that there's going to be a lot more acceptance of the work from home or the remote work, uh, at least partially in tech fields uh, specifically, obviously not everyone can work from home, but, um, in the future, like, uh, if this does and when this ends, fingers crossed, uh, we'll see more and more people saying, hey, we can save money on office space, save money on whatever other amenities and benefits. Um, and people like to work from home, it, it, if not permanently, um, at least one or two days out of the week. And you can save a lot of money. You can save a lot of people's time. You can save a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. And it has a a discernible impact on the environment as well. Um, I think there was a great study that was talking about the reduction in CO2 emissions and stuff in all the major cities around the world since, since everyone's been locked down. It was striking. It wasn't just like, like, Oh, that that's what I would expect. It was ridiculous how much just cutting the commute out from people's daily lives was making an impact. Uh, And I know that I'm not qualified to talk about that and whatsoever. I'm just parroting (laughs) what I've read, but it is it is very exciting to see like the opportunities that this situation does open up to us. All right, tangent over. Back on the road. We're back. It's like it's like a circle. <laughs> it just comes back, and we get back to that original point. Yeah, getting back to the point. This I can't really segue it well. So 
I'm just going to read out the question. <laughs> Don't even try it. Just go for it. <laughs> On the officer side, uh, before we were talking about like definitive moments and things that really make you happy to be what you're doing. Um, on the opposite side, what is something that you struggle with? What is something that's hard in this line of work? Hmm. I mean, there's lots of like challenging aspects of game development. Um, there's always going to be like the big aspect of communication. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I would say like, hey, that's a pretty A common challenge and B like one that... Um, isn't going to go away, <laughs> you know? Um, there are those very extremely rare game devs groups, uh, you know, either in independently making their own independent game or whatnot. But for the vast majority of game developers, they're working with a close group of collaborators in the context of whatever they're trying to create. So I might just be one, one, part like the vfx part of creating something so i'll need to be able to collaborate uh, and communicate effectively in order to make progress towards whatever game design challenge or looking to make uh and with every new group of people every new challenge like that communication aspect is going to need to change going to need to adapt going to need to be specific for whatever situation it may be in so i would say like that's a constant constant learning opportunity uh for me anyways yeah for, um for being such an important aspect of humanity and civilization we really suck at it <laughs> communication i yeah. mean <laughs> There's always yeah. like there's always something, you know. Always, mm. always, always. Always something. Yeah. What's your what's your like go to communication tactic? That's actually something I would love to hear from you. Um in in the sense of uh collaboration you were talking about. Both um I, I don't know I don't know if it was exactly upwards, but you were talking about like at at your level you are uh, responsible for the the entirety of the VFX output, right? The quality bar and um and uh the craft. So you're going to have other people at your level that you're communicating with, but then you're also going to have people that you're managing. You were talking about that before. What are some of your favorite or go-to communication like tips, tricks that, that you notice that you employ a lot that are really effective? That are really effective. I would say um, in that context, sure, <laughs> like of being a manager, but even just like general context um <laughs> understanding uh like empathy and where the other person is coming from is equally as important to making sure what you are needing to say is is coming across so mm -hmm. however you get to that point however you better understand that that person that person's perspective um whatever method you employ because people again communicate differently uh that's always been such a huge huge key factor in like like positive and forward moving uh, communication, whether it be in like, yeah, the management mentorship uh, performance setting or just like game development, let's solve a problem. We don't, I don't, it's so hard to, to talk about um, like stuff like, the, like what Larry said, because I have such a hard time articulating like really, in-depth like business questions like that because I, I i don't have the the experience and like the lingo in my brain yet i've picked up so much lingo off larry that i like 
I'll like throw it out, and if he doesn't d- refute it, I'm like, okay, I can use that. I can pick that up and use it for later. <laughs> I'm like, is like now I'm, I'm like, I it is so ingrained in just like the way that I typically speak that I don't catch it. So I might, I'm interested. Is there anything that that you've started to use that you're like, this is business oh. lingo? Oh, I don't know. I couldn't. I don't think I could. I'll if I say something during the cast and I remember this part. I'll like I'll point back to it, but I can't I can't on the spot think of something because it's just like it will come to my brain. I'm I'm one of those t- types of persons who just talks, and it's sort of just like you know that episode of Wallace and Gromit where like Gromit's like putting the train tracks down and like the train is going in front of it. <laughs> That's how my brain works for conversation. It's just like <laughs> oh man, that sounds stressful. <laughs> one word after another. <laughs> It, uh, it makes me think of uh, Unikitty from that, like the Lego movie of just like, it's working. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, so Vivi, yeah, Vivi worked it right for a little while. And there is a little there while. Is kind of like a riot lingo, <laughs> right? A little while, right? Uh, there is a riot lingo. And I remember, I think it was just a couple years after her and I had both started working there that, um, one of us, I forget who, but one of us caught ourselves using like, like office, office lingo in our personal conversation. And we were like, oh no. <laughs> but the thing, that's, I mean, it's, you know, like there is a lot, there's a big focus on, on uh, communication, healthy communication and collaboration. Um, I had a lot of the teams at Riot, so it just makes sense that, you know, being in a relationship is about communication. So yeah. It would make sense for it. Do you, Shanna, do you and do you and Sean like find yourself having those conversations? You're like, I could easily hear us saying this at work. Yeah. So my husband is an animator on one of the other teams at Riot. And absolutely, you know, <laughs> whether it's like, you know, just just like the phrasing of things, mm-hmm. we've gotten into such habits because it like we're on the same page as to what that means and what our intention yeah. is. Yeah, it's falling back on those words we do too yeah yeah it it makes sense it just gets ingrained in your head and you're just like you just pull it it's a tool and you pull it out when it needs to be Mm -hmm. used and then you don't think about it and and eventually it just happens um so getting back to the dock the big important dock of of goodness um if you weren't working in vfx or or what you're currently doing um anything in the world what would you be doing right now Ooh, that's a good one yeah, I had to think about this one uh, because if I wasn't in visual effects, honestly, I would probably be in some other aspect of art still in game dev. Like there mm. are tons of other disciplines. And so like, again, my husband's an animator, so I'd probably be in some other art discipline <laughs> still in game dev. Um, That's a good sign. Like zooming way out. I, well, growing up, I wanted to be a vet so I can take care oh, of all nice. the animals. All yeah. babies, yep. My brother, my brother uh, just yep, got yep. his doctorate as a veterinarian. Oh, so now he's oh, cool. practicing. Yeah. Congrats, David. I know you don't oh, watch awesome. the show, but. Wait, Shannon, what, what, what art, what other discipline like has always stuck out to you as being like, oh, that's, yeah, I, that that's cool. I could totally see myself doing that. Um, I've always really liked animation and a lot of the principles of animation mm. 
uh, effects pulls in for sure. Mm -hmm. But I think um, uh, sound design is actually oh, one nice. that I would be super interested in pursuing because yeah. they, they do structure some some ways similarly to effects in, in that is just really fascinating to me and not a discipline that I um, like a, a visual discipline that translates one-to-one mm -hmm. -one my artistic background but is still mm -hmm. very artistic so it's very mysterious and interesting to me so yeah yeah, yeah. sound design is such a that's a very focused and and um, niche part of game design but I'm sure it's it's on the same level of the effects where it's just uh, so important to to a good experience for the player um, for sure. That's something that's an interesting yeah. thing. I know we've had some people who were talking about getting a, a sound designer on the show eventually. So maybe we'll start looking into that, Larry, see if we can find somebody who wants to come on yeah. and talk about sound. There's all yeah, there's I, always I the know, Yeah, I know a couple. I think Shannon knows a couple, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be something that would be way out of my way out of my league. I'd have to um like Larry said, I have to deep dive and try to find like what questions the, a, a person would want to know because I'm just like totally I lost. And I love working it, with I audio. Just... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I love working with audio on like, like a, a production level. Like mm. my audio setup for how I do this podcast is like way over engineered for what it is. Um, <laughs> but like just that level of, of, it's like another side and it's so multifaceted mm. that I don't think people realize when they think about sound design. Um, yeah, I'm sure I can think of something to talk about for that. We'll look into that. I'm just, I'm just picturing it. I'm just picturing it. it's like so. What would you say sound is? <laughs> what is what does sound mean just, to you? <laughs> Without silence, is there sound? Or, sorry, this is did you pull it back? Pull it back. <laughs> So this is, I love this question. Um, we always get great answers for this one. If you could go back and talk to a young Shannon, uh, pre-college or pre or post-college, right? When you first started getting into game dev, what advice would you give her? Hmm. I would tell her, I would tell her to be, it's okay to be an advocate and by that, I mean, like, an advocate for yourself and for others. I think if there was one area that I wish I just had been better at was uh, taking the opportunities presented. So, like, Riot, from my perspective and my experience, has been an amazing company. And if you have good ideas, they can come from anywhere. And so somehow I got it really early on stuck in my brain, even outside of the game dev space of like, if I wasn't an expert in X thing, like I probably shouldn't say anything or like the experts probably know better than I do. And in some cases that's true. In other cases, like the whole room could benefit from an alternate perspective. And so I wish that I had just doubled down and taken more risks in that way of just like be an advocate for my own ideas and my own perspective. And kind of in parallel with that is like, hey, me as a female game dev, I wish I had been more uh, like a vocal and advocate uh, in the past and presently uh, for uh, for myself and like for other women in the industry, especially with uh, some of the challenges and current times that are coming to the surface, more um, 
visibility is being brought into some of the challenges there. So again, I just wish I had been more of like a vocal advocate. Uh, that's important, a vocal advocate uh, for, yeah, for myself and others. That's such a great answer. And I think, it, like you said, it is just super important to to spread that message to younger people. And because um, for both aspects, like you said, it's, it's very hard. Um, a lot of people struggle with this confidence issue of being able to talk and speak out about something that they feel like maybe they don't have the the strongest foot to stand on. Um, but like you said, yeah, there's no, there's no reason why a good idea can't come from any situation, any person um, in the room. So yeah, that's, that's a great message to spend, uh, send to younger people. Yeah. If you and take away, have to be like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was just going to say, if you take away anything from this podcast as a younger person listening, trying to get into this field, take away that. Cause that's a good, a good message. Yeah. I was going to say, and it doesn't have to always be like the big giant topics, you know, it it can just be as simple <laughs> yeah. as like just providing your perspective on how something should be visualized or how something could be approached. It doesn't have to mm-hmm. be the right answer either. <laughs> it's cool. yeah. There was, I forget, go like, so did, we're going to go on a bit of a ride here. Um, here we go. You'll see how it, you'll, you'll see how it ties in. I was talking to you. Uh, Chris, uh, one of my friends, and he was talking about the Matrix effect, like like uh, sorry, Chris, like Chris, societally... um, Dame, yeah, the one we had on the show a few weeks ago, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so he and basically he was saying like societally, there is this kind of this fantasy of being an average person, um, don't really stick out, don't don't really you know um, <clears throat> push the bounds, but then something extraordinary happens to you. And then you have to rise to the situation. And I thought it was interesting. And he's saying that that is like kind of a common like fantasy wish fulfillment today. And I was like, well, I think that's interesting. Yeah, I'm like, I I think that's interesting because in the Matrix, they don't focus on it. But Neo was a really good hacker. (laughs) Like he didn't he wasn't just some random person. He, He worked at a random job and he had like kind of a, you know, boring life. But that was his that was his outward thing his his you know skills he worked towards it and he he actually put effort towards it um and then something extraordinary happened to him and to follow or to plug into what Shannon was saying it doesn't always have to be that one giant big conversation a lot of times it's these little like step-by-step points that you may bring out that lead to a larger conversation and a larger achievement um so yeah like to back up what she said just in a different way it doesn't always have to be the big bold statements it it oftentimes is good solid steps towards that big achievement yeah and so and there's the risk sounding corporate and 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 trying out corporate uh literature and corporate terms like the culture does start with with the people and any person can start to make a change in culture in a, in a company or even in a group of people um participating in in negative aspects of a culture can can have a much larger effect than you might realize just in the situation so keep that in mind if you're ever in a situation where you're like hey i'm not really okay with what's going on what's being said what's happening um, to vocal advocate yeah vocal advocate uh and to rephrase what you said ben um culture is not what you say it's what you tolerate like that's the idea. Uh, if you if you see someone hounding someone or acting inappropriately and you say nothing, 
you are you're you're tolerating that that means that is the culture that you are okay with um so if you're not okay with it don't tolerate it actually stand up and be that vocal advocate to change it Mm -hmm. definitely And that, I mean, that's a super, super hard thing to do. So I don't it is. Like, yeah, yeah. Kick down doors if no. you're like, that's not okay. I mean, there are other other ways of being vocal and enacting change yeah. for sure. So <laughs> don't yeah, feel yeah. like you always have to be like the champion of every situation. Right. Rely Absolutely. on others around you to make that change too. Yeah. Oh man, um, we were talking about VFX, I think. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah. that was a, that was a great. I, I'm actually really happy about that. That was a good tangent to go off on. Um, but what do you think about useful skills for somebody trying to get into VFX or this line of work in yes. general? Um, useful skills yeah. to hone. And I know Larry loves this question, and I always forget to write it down. This time I didn't forget. Um. <laughs> <laughs> With visual effects, uh, it is a tough discipline because you are responsible for the artistic output, but it's also a very technically uh, challenging discipline. You are either working in one of the like standard big game dev engines like Unity or Unreal. It's really common, especially for larger companies, to have their own what's called proprietary engine, so like an engine that they build in-house. And so other disciplines don't necessarily have to use that as like their main source. Concept art can use, you know, Photoshop. Animators can use Maya. There's like a couple, of course, different options. With visual effects, that's not the case. Uh, (laughs) So you kind of have to be masters of whatever tool set you are given. Um, That that said, um, the artistic foundations and how they translate into whatever tool you may be using are so, 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 so important. Um, mm. Foundations like color theory, um, the like psychology of shape language and how that translates into your effects and your overall art output is super, super important. So like no matter the tool set, no matter what you're going to be using tools are just a tool that you could always learn but the foundations are what's really really important so focus on the artistic foundations please <laughs> during during that i got a little distracted because your kitty was behind you and it, it's like reaching its paw it must be like an automatic feeder or something it's reaching its paw and like pressing a button and then eating <laughs> I thought that was really like cool. Tubes, because so they they used to just like wolf in food, like scoop wolf, and oh. so now they have to actually scoop out the kernels and can only eat a couple kernels at a time, so that they don't just like <laughs> okay. instantly puke it all up back up. So, oh, that is what he's doing. Oh, I yeah, I, I, I'm I'm definitely guilty of this. I always get um. I always get a little sad when I start like pointing out things that are happening on camera because I know there are people who listen to the podcast, just listen to it. Um, and I'm like, oh man, but I apologize for audio, audio listeners. The cat is being very cute right now. That's all you need to know. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool to get distracted. His yeah. name is Elliot, by the way. That's my husband's Aww. name. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Um, just because it's, that's, I'm, I'm more familiar with like the, uh, the fundamentals of like illustration more than uh vfx i know there's i know you know some uh some overlap um what is your like what's what's the fundamental that you just nerd out on like that you see and you're like another vfx artist is like oh that's such a great use of oh yeah this like, is a good question what is it that gets you like going 
Yeah. So like by far the di most difficult competency um, for a lot of dis disciplines, but definitely for visual mm -hmm. effects is because it is, it takes into consideration the motion aspect timing, mm -hmm. like to get uh... really nice timing, even if like the aspects of the thing aren't, aren't working or in a totally different mm -hmm. style. Like if you have the timing right to be super satisfying, that is something that I could like totally nerd out on. <laughs> yeah. Right on, right on, right on. Do you, I know this, this, uh, hopefully this isn't too detracting. Do you do the same thing when you're watching um, like a movie or um, something animated? Like when they start doing those VFX, do, do you, do you find yourself kind of like critiquing things like that? Only if they're like really egregious. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I feel like, you know, whether it be like you really like, I don't know, you really like dogs or you really like something, <laughs> like if something is about the subject matter that you were really interested in, you're going to be mm -hmm. super, super critical. So like, yeah. yeah, if something feels weird, an effect, you know, just like really stands out stylistically mm -hmm. or something, it's just like, Hmm. <laughs> I see you. I got you. I, I like that question a lot, Larry. I was that's actually something that I might add to the repertoire for future shows. Um, but I actually oh, wanted to one? also the the question about like if you're looking at other forms of media when you like oh, yeah. you see an aspect of like what you do as a job, at what point mm -hmm. is it like are you able to be like, Oh that's how they did that or this is this is the what they did wrong or something. Um, but I wanted to ask, he's, yeah. he, he specifically mentioned movies or something. Uh, what about other games that you've played? Do you, can you like actually go through oh, yeah. and, and look at a game and you were like, oh, I kind of know how they did this and I kind of know how they did that. Yeah, that's honestly, that, that's part of the fun is kind of like, how did they do that? <laughs> and at mm. least for visual effects, we have an awesome, awesome effects community uh, called realtimevfx.com if you are interested. And um a lot of it in there is like fan made stuff from like, Hey, I saw this effect in whatever game. And I'm like trying to recreate it. What do you guys think? This is how I, I did it. This is the shader that I am making. Or like, this is the approach that I'm taking. Would you take a different one? Mm. It's really super fun and interesting to totally just nerd out and brainstorm how you think something was made. Uh, and so then sometimes the actual person who made it comes in and is like, let me help you. So. That's awesome. <laughs> so you're, you, they're kind of like trying to reverse engineer the the effects that they see. That's so cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm a huge fan of reverse engineering. I, like if I see something, and I know there's probably like a thousand tutorials on how to do something, but I'm always like the kind of guy's like, okay, how can I do this? <laughs> how, do, how can I figure out how to do this by myself and and make it? Um, obviously not with VFX, but with other things like that. Usually it's something to do with, with uh, how do I set up something on my computer to, to automatically do something stupid. <laughs> nice. Um, Shannon, have you ever tried to reverse engineer like someone's VFX? Like, has there something that like really stuck out to you that you're like, I want to figure out how they did that. Oh yeah, totally. Um, more the more recent application would be the new Mario, the Origami King. But when Tearaway oh. first came out, like that that the paper aspect of effects, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, they're like they're so beautiful. Um, but they're so stylistically unique. Of like, how do you get paper to look like this, but digitally because it's you're recreating it. Yeah. That is still so fascinating to me. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I think an example like that. 
for me would probably be um, the Cuphead game that came out. Uh, they have some really, really uh, stylistic and, and awesome effects on their game. And I couldn't even begin to like get into like how they actually do it because I don't even have the, the baseline technical knowledge. But I can appreciate it from an outsider's perspective and say, like, hey, that looks pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. For me, it was the Paperman short um, that came out years ago. Uh, from from disney yeah oh it was the one, i think i know what you're uh, talking about the kind of grayscale one where with the paper yep. airplanes yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 i remember watching um one watching that and going oh wow that's so cool and it, I, I at that time i was i i studied uh i started 3d uh the 3d pipeline so i was trying to figure out like is this all 3d is it is it spliced like what was going on um and then i saw a really fascinating technical video of them demonstrating how they made the basically the shader that um <laughs> that extrapolated like shapes on a surface and as the model would move uh it it would redraw what was the shape so that it would fit into perspective appropriately and i'm like Okay, I didn't understand any of that, but that was cool. <laughs> I couldn't even understand what you're saying, and you're just rearticulating <laughs> it to me. <laughs> so, last thing, last thing on this part of the doc, um, and this is a question I love to ask as well. Like, what's something that you wish more people would ask you about this sort of job? About this sort of job. Um... Well, about about. Uh, what you do it doesn't have to be job specific. Yeah, I mean, I, I, maybe selfishly, wish more <laughs> people would ask how to get into visual effects because mm. just not very many people know what it is or how to do it or yeah. how to do it well. Mm. Um, there's other disciplines that typically, you know, there are lots and lots of art colleges that may specialize in specific areas. Um, so some disciplines are a lot more uh, saturated with individuals trying to join them. And so yeah. visual effects is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I wish more people really would ask me about visual effects or specifically like how to learn it, how to get into the industry, because we are in such dire need of fresh talent. Please ask me. <laughs> there you go. You're looking for if you're an artist and you're looking for a job, VFX. Maybe that's the way to go. There are lots of jobs. When when we first started this um this podcast two years ago now almost. Did you realize it was that long ago? Larry? Wait, it's been two years? Almost two years now. It doesn't even seem that long. We took a we took a hiatus in the not. middle, um, which is where oh, most true. of the time went. But that was one of the, the aspects of the show that we wanted to focus on. We wanted to focus like how do we um, how do we use these people, these guests, as a as a resource for people trying to tap into the uh, game dev career? Like, how do how do we get these people who have literally dedicated their lives to this this aspect of of professionalism, um, and give them as a resource to the community? Because uh, there just isn't a lot out there. Like, game devs love to talk about what they do, and they love to talk about aspects of their stuff. But it doesn't seem to reach the audience that it's trying to go for. Because I always see people like, hey, how do I get into uh, this? How do I get into that? And it's like a question that, that always shows up in, in with a game developer goes to a conference and they have a Q&A. Um, mm. And it just never, it never seems to saturate. Even though everyone 
has that the, that knowledge out there, it doesn't um, resonate with people for some reason. So that was when me and Larry were sitting down and talking yeah. about this show. We're like, hey, we want this show to be useful for people trying to get into game dev. Um, and I hope we haven't strayed from that vision too far. I know it's definitely <laughs> not always the primary um, topic on my <laughs> mind when I'm writing questions, but I hope I hope we can still be somewhat useful. Well, part of it is definitely, I think, clarification. I think that's one thing that we identified is a lot of people are like, oh man, this this really sucks. The concept artist did a terrible job. And I'm like, concept artists had nothing to do with that. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's this it's this clarification of role or people thinking that there's only, you know, one kind of artist or one kind of engineer. Um, so part of it was just to, was to just, you know, get, get a little bit more um, specificity and, and break and kind of reveal, uh, pull back the curtain a little bit so you can actually see the different avenues. Um, so that next time you, you can go and say, Oh, I want to be a game artist. You can say, no, I want to be a VFX artist, a game VFX artist, because I saw this one thing that told me more about that role. So, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. That that's, yeah, go. I love I love that you pointed out the specification because like even something that we've tried to to spread and we don't have a very large audience but something that I'd love to spread just because you've imprinted on me how how important it can be is uh, not everyone has to be like an engineer or or very somebody very technical to be a game dev like you said um, anyone working on in the in the company you would refer to as a game dev and that's something that I've been trying to. Uh, here's another tech term I've picked up off you evangelize uh, to the greater public <laughs> because like, like if you, if, I guarantee you, if you ask somebody um, like, Hey, do you want to get into game dev? They're like, Oh no, I want to be um, like, I want to work in finance or something or I want to work in, in uh, I want to be an artist or something. Um, and some people might not consider that game dev. And I think that they absolutely should. Um because the, you're working on developing the game, you're working on making the game uh, better, and and yeah, I don't know, I'm rambling, but yeah, that's that's another part of the the reason that we started this show. Okay, it's a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, getting back to the 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 rigid, the rigid and planned out questions that I've had. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so we're we're going back to VFX as a whole in general, um, less focusing on on the career aspect. Um, what does a how closely does a VFX artist work with uh, something like the sound effects department and the champion designers when they're working on a champion? Yes, super 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 mega close. Um, especially in a game like League of Legends, where you. Um, you need to closely relate the champion's motion with the visual effects, which inevitably like cascades down into what should that sound like? How is that representing the gameplay aspect? So like definitely, definitely um, in the MOBA setting, many, many disciplines are working redonkulously close together to make sure that that is hitting all the right gameplay pillars, as well as like the visual aspects that need to be represented. So from the sound effects and the game design perspective, although those are at various different stages of, of focus during production, um, we all work incredibly collaboratively together. So. Yeah, segueing what off are, of that. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Larry. 
Oh, I was just asked. Like, I know you 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 specified uh, sound design and game design, but and I I'm asking this because I already know the answer. But <laughs> what are the other teams that you work most closely with? But I was <laughs> putting me on the spot to remember. <laughs> I know the answer. How about you? <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm always like, I know, I, you know, it's one of those things like you go to the grocery store and you have the list and you know the list, but like someone's like, what's on your list? And you're like, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. Getting somebody. So sorry. To give you you some time to think that, that reminded me of a great, uh, a great video. There's, it's the guy from uh, Parks and Rec. He's only on the show for a few episodes, but he has a show called like man on the street or something where he'll just walk up to people and aggressively ask them questions. And they'll never be able to answer. Like he literally just walks up to this this poor lady and he's like, Miss, name a woman. And he's just like, for a dollar, name a woman. And she's like, uh, uh. <laughs> any woman. Uh, oh my god. Well, it's like gives me anxiety. It's like, what? No. He's just a deer in the headlights, it just closes down. The truck's coming on. Yeah. 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 So much so much pressure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what are some of the so, other the other uh teams that work with with uh vfx yeah so this definitely isn't going to be all encompassing because there's a, a million uh other disciplines as well that help bring champions to life um but the ones on embedded on champions team hopefully i don't forget anybody larry call, call me out if i <laughs> tech art or like something um i'm just thinking of where people sit so there is mm. uh game design and then concept art there is tech art in animation visual effects and sound design and quality assurance uh, typically sits with the game designers because they work really really closely together and then engineering did i forget anybody i mean there's there's the production side as well yeah Um, that was sick but we don't talk about them (laughs) no that's so important (laughs) sorry Uh, so basically, the reason I ask that is because I remember working on champions, uh, especially with some of the champions that Shannon um, was working on. And I, I sat just a little outside of that production uh, pipeline. And I just I would always be amazed at how often there's just people, Shannon, talking to all of these other team like these other disciplines because that's i mean it was so important everything kind of revolved and tied into each other and affected each other so it's uh it's definitely um it's a sight to be it's a sight to behold like when you see a team of 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 people who are set up to succeed and to who know what they need to do and are just you know just just killing it it is it is really really cool to watch day to day yeah character art i forgot (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i i would not if you you could have asked me that question and you could have given me a year to think about it and from an outsider's perspective i would not have guessed that there would be so many teams and people involved involved in something like that um yeah. Yeah, yeah i'd love to i'd love to sit down and talk about like the the champion design process from start to finish going from like concept art to um oh. is qa the last what, what's the last part is it qa Am I right? Uh, uh, no. I mean, technically. Yeah. Sorry. It, go ahead, Shannon. It's tough to write like where where we put the cutoff because there, there could be like yeah. marketing aspects to them, mm, or you know. Yeah. So it balance, depends. I guess, as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah release. I mean, 
like there's there's the testing before you release and then the testing that happens <laughs> after the release so, <laughs> so yeah yeah i mean and even then a lot of people think um oh the concept artists are you know the, they kick it off right like concept has to be at the beginning you're like no i remember a couple of champions that there was no visual like there there was some like vague idea of what like the visuals could be but like there was already a narrative a hook and a design hook that they were just generating that concept came in afterwards and was like oh yeah we see and then sometimes someone was like here's this really cool drawing <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and that's what kicks it off so yeah it's uh you'd be surprised to to you'd be surprised where some of the ideas come from. <laughs> so jumping off of that, um, where does the VFX department really slot into this, this sort of process? So VFX and engineering actually have started to be slotting in a lot earlier, what's called the ideation phase. So that's like really early in production where you kind of have the, imagine the skeleton of a champion. Um, uh, and before you go, like the next stage is pre-production. So in the ideation phase, engineering and visual effects will help the team understand what potential technical hurdles or technical challenges might um, might we might need to tackle either in the execution of the gameplay. Like we've had quite a few interesting and challenging champions recently like set totally grabbing another champion and flipping them through space or Silas <laughs> using other people's mm -hmm. abilities. Uh, so there's some like really exciting technical challenges, uh, but it is important that we factor those in early on and make sure that yeah. we have time and support to do those things. So yeah. that's why it's important super early on that the um, visual effects artists and the engineer are incorporated in that side because the visual effects artist is at the end of the day responsible for representing whatever that super awesome mechanic is visually so yeah the silas that one would, uh sorry i was gonna say actually no no go ahead <laughs> i was just gonna say like the silas the silas <laughs> the silas one must have been gonna, every time you start talking okay go ahead <laughs> must have been sorry. a huge hurdle <laughs> i got it out just because of like how how complicated i remember talking to um uh, JD Jeffrey during uh, a while ago, and I think this was after Silas came out, or it might, this might have been a private conversation. I don't even remember, but <laughs> he was talking about how like just ridiculously complicated and hard it was to get Silas's alt to work properly, just with in terms of like every yeah. he, did, he was talking about how they had to rework every like background script aspect of how yep. a champion alt works, just so it didn't have to be like a special flag in the future, a feature flag in the future where yeah. if a champion alt if champion comes out, Tyler Salt just works with it. Like it doesn't have to be somebody doesn't yeah. have to go back and like band-aid fix it. Um there was that would be I would love to bring Josh Joshua on um because he like the work that I think him and Bill Clark, right? They were the ones who were hitting up the Silas work. Do you remember Shannon? Not not Silas. I know that they okay. had to uh do a lot of work for uh Senna and for Nico. Okay. <laughs> but oh, definitely yeah, Josh can speak more in depth about like what yeah. aspects they just I never I remember some of the cooler like the water water cooler talk of just hearing what the engineers had to go through or what they were like well go through like what they were <laughs> facing to try and like solve I'm like oh well I'm I'm glad I'm over here and you're over there. <laughs> I love talking to engineers yeah. because even if I can't understand what they're talking about, they're always just so passionate about what they're talking about. <laughs> and I always feel like I can relate to them. They're like, man, that 
that uh, scripting error was just really a, a it just caused a whole bunch of flag issues and just a whole bunch of uh, problems that just erupted in in production. And I'm like, yeah, I really really can tell that you're I that. passionate. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> I feel that. <laughs> I just every engineer who just is listening to this just cringe physically. Trying to hear me butcher their lingo. It's like watching in movies when someone's coding and they're just like slapping the keyboard. It's like yeah. you I've got their IP address. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if this uh, is really super relevant, but um, in your in your very storied career at Riot. Have there been any stories of like times where things just broke, where you broke something and you're like, uh-oh, something went wrong? Mm, yes and no. Effects uh, is actually fairly safe with mm. our new and current tool set for like validating before you checking, check things in. And then like you'll have a, what's called a build before it goes out to players. And so we've gotten so much better at catching things. <laughs> Um, but usually if it's something related to visual effects, like uh, for the Assassin's update that happened quite a few years ago, um, I was working on Rengar and Talon, and I remember we had to disable Rengar for some reason. And then Talon's blades are all visual effects, and they just weren't showing up. So he mm. could like W and R somebody, and you'd be like, and then just like get destroyed because you wouldn't see them. But so like, yes, challenging things have happened, but it's actually usually not related to the implementation of the effects. It's like, oh, shoot, the design designer forgot the enemy perspective flag for it. And so they're like, oh, they're not seeing the right perspective or something with engineering got borked. So <laughs> again, another reason yeah. why we collaborate so heavily is to figure <laughs> out challenges like that. So I haven't had anything too, too like banana pants that was ju- like just visual effects. Mm. Yeah. What's your, uh, what's your favorite visual bug that you can remember? Uh, VFX bug. Uh, VFX bug. I, um, when I was working on Nidalee, um, since she is a shape changer, she has like her human form and then a cat form. If you mess with the characters, uh, what's called a rig. So like the thing that their skeleton that allows them to move, um, which you can attach visuals to at mm-hmm. different points. Um, if you play, play around with, with the different aspects of the rig, um, in the alternate form that you have like loaded in game, she'll sometimes swap to the other form. So I was editing something <laughs> on her cat form and he swapped to her human form. Oh. And so it was like human nidally over cat body <laughs> and like running around. It was it was good, but also not good. I, when you said nidally, uh, I thought you were gonna talk about the the invisible spear plague that was just lasted forever um like five or six years ago <laughs> that's not funny that's, that's serious <laughs> nobody i mean nobody plays nidalee anymore but <laughs> back in the day oh, there no. used to be this bug with nidalee where i don't know i don't know what was it was i'm sure reproduction was a pain in the butt 
but every now and then just her spears would be invisible and you're just like oh i just took three quarters of my hp for no reason can't figure out why (laughs) yeah there's always there is always tricky things like that with like fog of war and getting things to render so like if Mm -hmm. a character is in a brush and nunu ults you which like is a giant aoe circle um what like what do you show do you show an (laughs) indicator that you're gonna just explode or do you just not and so yeah (laughs) there are some challenging things like that that come up that are always a little tricky yeah oh the new new the new one is awesome um there was a clip from a very professional game of league of legends it was like tsm versus something or other uh way back in the day and the whole team just like was walking into the pixel bush in the middle of the river and they were all like really, really slow and they didn't really understand why they were really slow. And then was just sitting in the bush channeling his ult for the full channel. Um, and it just nuked them. It was absolutely like, it, this was like the, the moment that every new, player dreams of at night when they lock in Nunu and they build the death cap and the void staff and everything. They're like, yes, <laughs> this is going to happen to me. Um, just I'm because gonna, of the, that moment it. has ruined so many games. For so many players in the future, because everyone wants to get that that epic moment. I remember one of the things when Rise, when the Rise rework came out, um, of trying to time it so that the Rise alt would go off, and then the Nunu alt would go, oh, like you would yeah. Rise alt into the team with the Nunu, and then they would just go off. I remember, I remember my friends and I trying to figure that out. <laughs> that timing is specifically. that is the best part about. Uh, Aram. I'm not really an Aram fan, although we play it sometimes with, mm. with the, the crew. Um, the snowballs are the best part of Aram because you can play a champion like Nico. I don't know if it, I don't think it works with Nunu, but Nico, Fiddlesticks, um, so many mm-hmm. other champions, you can channel your ult, throw the snowball, land the snowball, and launch to them, and then the ult will go off. And if you do yeah. it right, it's like unavoidable. They can't do anything about it. And it's just a perfect wombo. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I am that Nico player. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it, it really adds a, a level of fun to the snowballs are like, I wish there was some way they could balance them for regular league because it would make regular league so much more fun. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> needs flash anymore. Just take the snowball. Oh God. <laughs> too OP. <laughs> it's too OP. It's too OP. <laughs> what is that? for? Oh, that's from, that's from a Hearthstone video. Man, that's a game. Um, I'm actually out of things on the dock to talk about, so we can just talk about whatever we want for as long as we want. Nice. <laughs> actually, I had a... Shannon, did you have any questions for us? Uh, that's yeah. not something we normally do very often, but... Um, I wish I had time to think about it. <laughs> no, right now. <laughs> Say no, that's okay. Yeah. Right now. We're, we're not very list? interesting people. <laughs> What's your grocery list? That's what I was just thinking. <laughs> um, I need to make a grocery list. Yes, I actually need to make a grocery run, technically. You can just order that in now. That's true. Yeah, I could. I I get mine delivered with Amazon Fresh. It's pretty awesome. They don't have everything. Yeah, yeah. That's true. I ordered it in for the first time the other day, and pro tip, listeners, if you do it for the first time, you get a big discount. So try it out. And not only that, you can get a big discount from every grocery deliverer. So like Instacart, Target has their own thing called Shipped. <laughs> this is like, um, when I first came to LA, I just like took a uh, advantage of every first di- uh, discount that you could get in. I got a discount from Postmates, Uber Eats, DoorDash, um, Grubhub, uh, uh, Instacart, Shipped, 
um, whatever other else. You just Uber, Lyft, you get that first time discount. I'm all out of them now, though, so I'm starting to really feel the feel the pain of paying full price. <laughs> they got me by the That's fix. when you find your friend who hasn't, and then you go back through all of them and yep. do the referral bonus. Yep, there you go. You you want ten dollars off your Postmate order? <laughs> Yo, hey, got a question for you. Now sponsored by <laughs> Postmates actually has been sponsoring a lot of people on Twitch recently. I don't know; they must be like trying to cash in on the COVID crisis because they're like, if you get ten people to sign up to your Postmates link, blah 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 blah. It's crazy. All right, back to the question. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can always say no. You can just feel like, no, I have no questions for you. <laughs> I have non-game dev related questions. Usually I, uh, I just love pets and animals. So do either of you have pets? Ooh. And can I see them? Yes. Well, we have yes. Mochi. Is Mochi available? Let's see. She's actually... <laughs> yeah. she... And Mooch. There she is. There Spoiler, she is. I knew the answer, but I was. <laughs> that's her. That's her spot. Actually, she likes hanging out there. She's gonna get a haircut tomorrow. Oh, oh great! She needs it. Yeah, yeah. She's. She's a little. <laughs> well, you can't just call her out like that. <laughs> <laughs> yesterday, I was over at Larry's house yesterday, and she was she was yeah. being such a good dog, and I was petting her, and Vivi was just like, she's so mad at. <laughs> I'm like, no, she she's is. a good I'm dog. Like, she, it's one of the, I've never had a dog that's had that kind of fur before. And it's one that you have to, you have to comb out every day or else it'll just start nodding up and getting mad. At. So like, right, like right under here is just, <laughs> there's just one giant mat. And I'm like, oh, oh. Does, does she I ever get so the, bad. the, the tear, um, tear duct stuff? Where it, Her eye boogers? Yes. Yeah. I, well, no, no, I, like, like, I have to. I was going to say, that type of dog like, usually has, like, I don't know. Uh, I know Shih Tzus have them where, like, for some reason it gets, like, really dark and discolored around the eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you can you can see it, like, when she drinks water, like, it, the color comes out on her on her muzzle a lot. Oh, she knows I'm talking about her. <laughs> Sorry, baby. Um, oh, manners. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, she, she uh like she she gets some there's some discolor discoloration around her around her eyes and whatnot and her mouth mouth. Uh but yeah. She's but a sweet little dog. We've had her for nine or for six months. It just uh Yeah. That's a baby. Yeah, yeah. She is. What? I'm sorry. She's just a baby. She but is. that that is something that I miss about um working at my first game dev studio was office dogs. Oh. I, I don't know how prevalent they are at other studios, but yeah, I loved having office dogs that would just like run around the office and yep. would disrupt us. But it was just such like a nice <laughs> distraction always. Yeah, uh, yeah, I miss yeah, that. yeah. I would I love got... to be able to work at a studio that had uh, like a pet policy where you could bring them in. I got really shortchanged when I moved to LA. Um, my job, my office, um, when I first got hired on the benefits thing it was like we're a dog friendly office so i got really excited because i was like i'm gonna see all these cool dogs in the office I get to pet them all um and when i relocated they had just changed they just upgraded offices to a bigger office because they were hiring so many people um and the new office was not dog friendly which is something that was not communicated to me so i arrived in the <laughs> office i'm like where's um where's all these dogs at? <laughs> they had a wall of pictures of their dogs but no dogs in the office yeah so i was really Aww. sad that's really uh, sad <laughs> I don't currently have a pet. I think 
I want to get a cat eventually, but that's going to have to coincide with finding a cat friendly place to live, um, which is a lot harder than it might sound <laughs> for a city like this. <laughs> um, so, how about Shannon? You have you said you have a couple cats, right? We saw yeah. one. Yeah, my husband has one, Elliot, <clears throat> and then I have one named Keo. Are they good Aww. friends? They are good friends, but I wouldn't say they're like, you know how pets are, like to snuggle together. They're they're friends and friendly, but they like to play wrestle way more than they like to cuddle. So uh, the the pause there, like when they're 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 like, tells me everything. Tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> my my cat's definitely the troublemaker too. So it's like I feel kind of responsible. Like they are they're friends. <laughs> but you know but <laughs> hey you should get a cat um with mochi larry you should get a, a cat buddy and they could be best friends now nah, I'm, 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 i'll probably <laughs> just get another dog <laughs> I, look i have nothing against cats i'm just more of a dog person than i am a, a cat person i i love yeah. dogs i've had dogs all my life i've had three four dogs over the course of my life but i've never had a cat because my parents were allergic so it was just like mm. it's like the forbidden fruit for me it's like i have to have one just to see what it's <laughs> like and if i'm like yeah this kind of sucks cats cats mm. suck no which is not gonna happen because i love cats um then i'll go back to dogs eventually but dogs are also a lot bigger responsibility than a cat is like it's true uh, yeah you yeah. have to like you have to like um, go go outside on walks with it every day and like yep Take it to the groomer and she stuff. She started. Uh, she started being uh, my alarm clock. I haven't set my alarm clock for like the past two weeks, and um, so like the like she wake me up at like eleven, right? Because we're I've been on break. Um, she wake me up at eleven, and then like a couple days go by, and then it was ten thirty, and then it was ten, and then I think this morning she woke me up at nine thirty. Like she's starting to like <laughs> like early and earlier. I'm like, what are you doing, dog? But she does the thing where, um, cause she, she'll sleep, she'll sleep in the bed with me and my wife, um, and I'll be asleep and she will just sit next to me and stare at me. <laughs> and then when she wants me to wake up, she'll smack me with her paw, like in the face. She'll like oh. pop my forehead, like not hard. She just kind of starts doing that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm up. Yes. I'm talking about you. <laughs> <clears throat> my old dog, um, was very close with my, my parents and. He would do the, or she would do the same thing. Uh, she would try to cheat on dinner time when it was dinner time, which was usually um, when my dad got home from work, so five thirty six ish. But ever mm-hmm. since he retired, he doesn't go to work. She was trying to sneak it back a while, and every day I'd be like, "Oh, five o'clock now." She'd sit on the couch next to him and go <laughs> poke him with the paw and go, "Ooh, ooh, ooh." Uh, I used to have a border collie for for those. Some people in here are probably familiar with her. Um, yeah. yeah, super smart, super obnoxious. <laughs> Just a pain <laughs> in the butt. Great dogs, but very, very uh, personalityful. Um, so she would she would do this thing where ever since he stopped coming home from work, she thought, oh, he's home all the time. Every time is dinner time. So like four o'clock, <laughs> three thirty, three o'clock, <laughs> sitting on the couch. Anytime he sat down on the couch and read the newspaper or read read the articles on his laptop. It's like, oh, it must just, be dinner time. Dinner time. It got to the point where yeah. where I'd be out in my studio, um, like streaming or gaming or whatever, and at the door I'd hear the door open, and they'd push the dog out <laughs> to me, and she'd just be looking at me, going, Rrr, Rrr. 
<laughs> yeah, you can deal with food? them now. <laughs> yes. yeah. Food? Yeah. Oh, man. Pet talk's always fun. It is. I it always, is, it yeah. is. I don't have any other topics other than pets, though. <laughs> Sorry. It's all good. Yeah, we can we can we can wrap it up if we want to. Um usually it's been a pleasure speaking with you, Shannon. I mean it's been fun. Oh thanks for having me. (laughs) Usually I have I have a hard time keeping um keeping the time down, but I think we we were really on track today, so we were able to get through all the points. Uh which is awesome. I'm glad that we are actually able to stay on track for once. (laughs) <laughs> Makes it seem a little we, we like to say the show is a show of tangents because we'll get yeah. to talking and then we kind of take a left and then take a right <laughs> a lot of wait rest. that reminds me wasn't there something we put a pin in that you were gonna ask oh no oh, shoot what it was something about alex and if it it's about alex you know it's gonna story. be story um oof. it was something to do with uh one of his stories about one of the champions, and I completely forgot what it was, and that's on me. Um, and I'll remember <laughs> later, and I'll be like, "That's a great story for the podcast." Yep. But if you wanna, if you wanna relive that story, just listen to episode twelve or whatever it was when we had him on. Um, man, Alex just had um, just had his surgery, uh, and he's recovering now. And he he's such a yeah. a great guy. Maybe we should have him back on the show and be like, "Hey." I don't know what we talk about, but I just have a lot of fun talking to him. Uh, with with him, we would talk about whatever. I don't think we'd need to worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> He's just. Did you get to work with Alex at all, Shannon? Um, oh yeah, lots. Oh okay, so yeah, so you know, you know exactly what we're talking. <laughs> yeah, I talked to him just the other day, and he was telling me about the surgery. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's a trooper, man. That guy. I, he was like the next day he was on on discord gaming and i'm like man you are crazy <laughs> <laughs> anyway yeah um let's wrap it up and we can we can talk a bit more after the show if we want to so thank you again shannon for coming on the show i know um we've been talking about this for a little while it was awesome to have you on um if you want to follow shannon she's on twitter at shannon burke uh, i don't know if that's going you're going to change your uh ad at all in the future or no, Burke was the, my last name before I got married, but it is so hard to change mm-hmm. all of the stuffs. So if you search Riot Phoenix, you will still get the same Twitter. But if you find Shannon Burke, that is still me. Okay, so look up Riot Phoenix or Ash Shannon Burke. She's on Twitter. She tweets a lot about um, VFX stuff. So if you are interested in about that, a lot of good in, um, information there. And I'm sure um, she wouldn't mind answering any questions or stuff like that, as long as it's respectful and, and uh, related to <laughs> what she works on. <laughs> Um, yes. if you like the show, uh, <laughs> oh, go ahead. Sorry. As a note, I do not work on League of Legends uh, anymore, mm-hmm. so I apologize. I cannot answer any League of Legends effects uh, related questions. I will yeah. likely forward you on to the uh, experts. Definitely, yeah. That's probably something that that um, a lot of people haven't listened to. <laughs> so please be please be respectful. Keep uh, questions generalized. Uh, if you do like listening to the podcast and you want to watch us live, it's twitch.tv slash Nighthawk20,000. We try to stream a show every Wednesday. We've been fairly good at keeping it up on that schedule. So if you can't catch us live, check out the VODs on YouTube, youtube.com slash Nighthawk20,000. Um, or if you just want to listen to the shows, every platform, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, 
Apple Podcast. We have, we're pretty much on every single podcast platform. So listen to those. Give us a follow. Give us a rating. Anything you want to do. Uh, really appreciate it. Helps a lot for us. Um, and if you want to share the show with others, it would help me out a lot. Help me and Larry out a lot. We're trying to ex- uh, expand our audience as always. So if you find an episode that really speaks to you and you're like, hey, other people want to hear this, we'd appreciate it if you share it with them. Um, other than that, we're always just happy to have you guys come out to the show. So appreciate a lot. And we, we thank you as always. Have a good night.